comments and views expressed on The Moore Show are those of the people that make them and do not necessarily reflect the views of Kevin Moore, The Moore Show, or this radio station and its affiliates or sponsors. Hello and welcome to another edition of The Moore Show, which is sponsored by the UFO Matrix magazine. On today's show, I'm about to be joined by our guest, Dr. Charles Tremont. Now, Dr. Charles Tremont received his MD at New York Medical College in 1962 and had a successful career of some 32 years. In addition to his prominent medical career, he also achieved the rank of Colonel in the United States Air Force, serving in the Vietnam War and Operation Desert Storm. At present, Dr. Charles Tremont devotes his life to the research and practice of healing through hypnotherapy and past life regression. Dr. Charles Tremont, welcome to the show. It's, been, it's my pleasure, Kevin. So, Charles, you served in the Vietnam War and uh, the Desert Storm War. How did you get into the military? Well, when I was, um, when I was uh, an intern, I was uh, drafted along with uh, many other interns uh, uh, during that time the Vietnam War was raging. but. Um, uh, my hospital had, my papers had gone through for my residency program uh, so that um, they were able to get me out of that draft. And so I went through the residency, and my good friend who interned with me went into the Army. At any rate, uh, he came back, came into the residency with me, and then uh, I finished. And uh, I knew it was still coming as the war was still on. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I hired out as a chief resident, and sure as Dickens, I got redrafted through the Air Force this time so and I was gone for a couple of years and and then uh, when I came back I resigned my commissions I, I really needed to get into practice and but then back in the 80s I became a little bit burned out in practice and I felt I needed some more interest in my life and camaraderie that I really enjoyed so I joined the reserve and comes uh, desert storm and I was gone again right <laughs> so, oh. anyway it was um, it was interesting, but I, I, I enjoyed that, that part of my life, too. Um, but um, it, it all proves that, you know, my feet are pretty firmly planted on the ground. They're, uh, I'm not a flighty individual. Uh, and so what I got into when I got into reincarnation and uh, past life regression therapy, um, people look twice at, um, you know, my credentials in terms of, well, this guy is not a, a screwball. He's, you know, yeah. he's... Um, firmly planted here, you know. I made full colonel, almost almost made brigadier. Now you've delivered some 5,000 babies into this world, now that must have been amazing pretty, to sort of... Pretty pretty close to that. Yeah. yeah. And it was um, it was very interesting, it was very thrilling and very stressful. Um, but I must admit I'm just as thrilled with the outcome of many of my therapeutic sessions as I am delivering babies. Change people's lives. Sure, sure. Why did you retire from surgery then? Well, I had a, um, well, it was after about 32, 33 years, I had a, uh, this cervical arthritis, uh, arthritis in my neck, um, which um, became symptomatic, and I was in Ohio where it's cold and wet a good part of the time. Yeah. Um, and uh, I would have stuck it out, except I was getting a little concerned because the symptoms were progressing to the point where I might become weak, uh, and in the middle of the night, uh, when I'm doing an emergency cesarean section, I'm usually alone with the nurse, and I've 
got to have plenty of strength to dislodge a baby's head from deep in the pelvis, especially if it's um, uh, what we call cephalopelvic disproportion, where the, the pelvis is really tight. And, yeah. um, and I didn't need to see uh, a problem like that developing, so I just decided the best part of valor here would be to throw in the towel. And then I moved to a warmer, dry climate where my neck was fine. <laughs> it's amazing. So I'm in Vegas, and I thought, well, you know, I might as well get throw my thrust myself into um, regression therapy full time. But I need to do some research. So I started lecturing at the university uh, for Raymond Moody's classes uh, on consciousness, and I pulled in hundreds of volunteers and ended up doing research for a good four years. And then I was compelled to write my book. So how did your so, book sort of evolve then? Well, I had so much material, uh, and I started putting it all together, and that, that was a horrendous job. But I, I, I thought, my gosh, this stuff is so fascinating. And, you know, and I'm learning all the time. I mean, uh, there's a surprise around every corner. And I got into... Um, uh, spirit releasement situation by accident because I ended up regressing a uh, spiritual attachment to an individual. So I vowed to do a lot more reading on that subject and, um, and since that time I've, I'm afraid I'm, I'm in that full time too because you're talking a good 70% of individuals who are uh, uh, having these uh, situations. So I find out that people's problems are either related to past life uh, memories which have surfaced and are um, causing phobias and overreactions, or um, they're due to uh, spiritual attachments who are uh, uh, causing all kinds of havoc in their life. Now on your cover, um, Charles, it states Gnostic healing for the 21st century. Um, what is Gnostic healing? Well, you know, what, what, what we accomplish uh, by guiding the subject into uh, the mental processes that, that lead to healing uh, through this regression work that we do is, is strikingly similar to the, the beliefs of uh, this very uh, ancient uh, spiritual movement, uh, which was called Gnosticism. That's, that's derived from the Greek word gnosis, uh, meaning knowing. And that particular movement preceded and followed the life of Christ. Uh, these individuals had very little regard for... Um, um, organized religion. Uh, they, they believe that um, there should be a direct perception of God. In other words, they believe that uh, introspection, uh, contemplation, intuition, uh, these things would lead the, to a knowing, which would then allow them to attain spiritual truths and, and then know their divine origin, know God by direct perception, not faith. In other words, they're saying they don't need a priest or a minister. Yeah. They don't need a middleman. They just need to be a directly uh, direct connection to their their creator. But what's even really more fascinating is they believed and used the power of the mind and the power of positive thinking. In fact, they were even aware of how the subconscious mind influences the conscious mind. And Carl Jung, um, when he did some research in the Gnostics, just blew his mind when he found out. He thought, geez, these guys are way ahead of us. And some of them were healers. Uh, the Essenes uh, were one, were such, one of the, the such groups, and the Dead Sea Scrolls were thought to be uh, documents from the Essenes. So what it boils down to is communing with one's higher self through hypnosis, yeah. 
uh, in witnessing many incarnations gives one the, the rare opportunity to relive these past life experiences and, and gain wisdom without many years of conscious introspection. Hypnosis and hypnotic past life regression is a shortcut to gnosis. To spend years doing meditative situations in one or two sessions, you, um, you know who you are. You know that you are this eternal being, that you live forever and that uh, nothing can ever destroy you. And it gives you one heck of a perspective to face life and death. Would you say, though, Charles, that people in general never ask the questions, who am I, what is this life all about, where do I go after this life? The public is usually so busy with superficial stuff that goes on on a day-to-day basis. And, and they're entertained constantly, you know, with TV and this and that. And, yeah. uh, that they don't ever really take a few minutes to, to introspect, except... When something bad happens, something, some tragic thing in their life occurs, and all of a sudden they start answer, asking those questions. And uh, it's much better to be enlightened ahead of time. Yeah. That, that's my philosophy. Yeah, to know that you are eternal and, you know, life carries on, yeah. So you're ahead of the well, game I, then, I, I suppose. Well, when I was in practice and I first got into this, I began utilizing this for terminal patients that I had, you know, patients that I operated on had cancer that was, um, you know, untreatable and they only had a matter of months to live. Uh, but this gave them a feeling of being eternal and um, changed their whole attitude and facing death. I thought that was well worth it. Yeah. Charles, for our listeners who aren't sure what past lives are, would you, would you just be able to describe briefly what, what you mean by past lives? Well, when we take somebody into a past life, if what I often do is I'm, I'm taking people back, and I, when I use the subconscious under deep hypnosis, I, I ask the subconscious to take the individual back to the cause of a particular problem. And oftentimes that problem is something that happened in the past of the present lifetime, or it can be in the past from a past lifetime. And uh, when you get into these past lifetimes, these individuals are truly there. I mean, they experience everything. All their senses yeah. uh, are being used. They smell the smells, hear the sounds, and so on. Uh, and their consciousness is there. You have a, a dual awareness. You have the consciousness of that moment in that lifetime, and you have the present-day consciousness observing. Uh, and that's the, the beauty of the therapeutic effect, because the, the subconscious has this what I call subconscious cell memory. Uh, it's the memory of every moment of every life you've ever lived. And on a day-to-day basis, we're constantly triggering these memories to the surface. And um, usually those are mundane, rather unemotional memories. But what they do is, is form our attitude, our feelings about everything in life. However, if a memory, um, when it's filed away, is filed away with a very strong emotion, such as in a way you would, in which you died, um, when that memory comes to the surface because of something triggering that memory in your present life, it brings um, all the emotions and sometimes the pain with it. And um, it's, uh, it's striking. Uh, causes people to have these overreactions or phobias. Uh, so, anyway, what, what you do is you, you're observing this through the conscious mind. The conscious mind is very rational, and the conscious mind is a being objective, and it's also making a distinction of time, whereas the subconscious does not. 
subconscious looks at it as if it just happened, and it may have happened, you know, several thousand years ago. Yeah. So the conscious mind makes decision and says to itself something along the lines of, this happened a long time ago, why am I suffering, this is ridiculous, and it's able to release the effect, and bingo, these people are cured. And sometimes it may require forgiveness of individuals who maybe stoned you to death in a lifetime or beheaded you or whatever. And, uh, and that may give you a little stronger sense of resolution of the problem. Okay. But for the most part, they're able to release the effect, and they walk away without the weight of this on their shoulders anymore. Sure. Now, you're, you're using, you're using um, hypnotherapy to um, obviously heal people uh, by going into the past life or, or future life. But where did your interest in hypnotherapy start? When did you start regressing patients then? Well, I started... Um, getting into hypnosis is right after I took a course right before Desert Storm when I got back then I started utilizing hypnosis in my practice for deliveries uh, for relief of pain uh, hyperemesis uh, just various things that I would find really good use for and also for uh, pre and post operative uh, situations but then I started reading uh, books on, on regression and there was just a few around, you know, Brian Weiss, um, Dick Sutphin, a few to mention, um, uh, Roger Wolger. These are different authors that had gotten into it in the early days. Uh, and I was fascinated, and I, I could see the potential in healing here. So I then began do, doing this with patients who were willing to, to do this. And I would do this uh, usually after my usual hours or while I was waiting for somebody in labor because my office was adjacent to the hospital. And, uh, and that's where I gained my early experience. But the thing that really blew me away was one of my earliest patients came to me with uh, phobias and nightmares, nightmares that woke her up screaming. And um, I was able to cure her of all these things by taking her back to about seven lifetimes, I think. And, um, and like, the, the nightmares were due to her being a, a druid high priestess doing human sacrifices. And I thought, geez, that would give me nightmares, God, too. yeah. Oh. But she was able to release all these things beautifully so. And she even exhibited xenoglossy, which was uh, speaking foreign languages unknown, like she was speaking ancient Gaelic. Incredible. Um, and I was able to validate historically like six of her seven lifetimes. And the other one didn't lend itself to that. But I thought, that's amazing. So this kind of catapulted me into this whole area. Sure. And uh, really excited me. So... And from that time on, I've been able to validate many lifetimes. Yeah. So, a firm believer in reincarnation, I think uh, that is exactly the way things are. I, I don't think we'll ever know how it all works until we're in those dimensions ourselves, until we leave this uh, physical world. But I, I'm, I'm sure we're getting little bits of glimpses here and there on how it works, and, and it's extremely fascinating. It's a great sense of justice, uh, karma is, and so on. So, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I've become passionate about it, Kevin. <laughs> Did you always believe in reincarnation? I mean, because it wasn't for, there, no. was a, there was a period, no, actually, wasn't there? I, I was very conventional, a you know, very conventional yeah. position. And I, you know, and I hear about reincarnation, and I think to myself, mm, that sounds cool, you know, to come back. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I was raised Catholic, and it's considered a no-no, it's heresy, and so on. But then I, when I got into this, and I started doing some research, I find out that, Guess who took reincarnation out of Christianity? Who? It was a, it was a Roman emperor, right. you know, a guy named Justinian in the middle of the 6th century, and it was out of uh, political reasons. You know? 
control. And the Pope even boycotted that ecumenical council, but he slipped it right through and uh, with his own bishops and was able to get it passed, and now it's set in stone. So, you know, I, I don't feel so bad. <laughs> yeah, things are taken out. The Roman emperors, they, they, they yielded, you know, they had big, big sticks that they were flying around all the time, so... <laughs> Um, but it certainly um, wasn't the word of God. What about people who have um, who've sort of had transplants and they take on this sort of character of, of, of the other donor? I mean, you've, you must have come across that as, as well, that aspect of... Um, yeah, yeah the, um, um, the idea of heart and kidney transplants uh, was of great interest to me because... Yeah, the the um, recipients definitely are picking up personality traits of the donor. Uh, there was a case of um, a strapping big uh, construction worker who had a kidney from an older woman, and within like eight nine months, he was crocheting and knitting. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, it's kind of weird stuff. But also that the one of the the case of the eight year old girl who was murdered that was rather interesting uh, and fascinating. Um, her heart went to a nine-year-old girl who had very lucid dreams about the murder, so much so she identified the killer and they found him and put him away. And that tells you that that information was infused and, and somehow assimilated into human tissue, and uh, it was definitely there. Um, so I, I, the way I think it works is your subconscious memory that I mentioned uh, is within the soul, and when the soul leaves the body, it, the, the subconscious memory is with it. And when it infuses into a new body, um, somehow the um, memory assimilates and integrates into that particular body. In these transplant situations, you have a human tissue from that body that was still living, maintaining that information, regardless of what organ it is, and somehow assimilated into this other body. And uh, the memory became their memory. So, like I said, we're not going to know how it all works. But no, no. So <laughs> you, you, you pieces of the puzzle. So you believe it's in the cells of the tissue as well as. Well, it, it, yeah, I think it has to go into the into the most subatomic particle within each uh, cell, and it's like a, a hologram situation, a holographic yeah. uh, memory. But do you also believe that the soul uh, carries all the past life um, memories as well? Oh yeah, no. I think it it it's, it starts with the soul, but I think when you when it infuses into a physical being, it, 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 it just does that, infuses into the body, into yeah. every subatomic particle within it. And that's why I think certain areas of the body are very um, susceptible to certain things. Like one particular patient had met somebody, um, a, new, a new client in business, for the first time and immediately hated this guy's guts. <laughs> Couldn't stand him. And at the same time that he met him, uh, as, as he came into the room and looked in this guy's eyes, he had this tremendous discomfort in his abdomen. And uh, he was worked up for, for days and uh, weeks, and they couldn't find anything wrong with him. But simply taking him back to the cause of this problem, he went back to a medieval battle. And uh, this other individual during the battle is running him through with a sword right in that spot in the abdomen. And he's looking into his eyes as he's dying. Well, now he's looking into his eyes again. Uh, this guy, you know, is a reminiscent from uh, from that lifetime, and we call that soul recognition. But what it did is it triggered these memories, and it brought the pain with it.
And uh, again, once conscious mind sees what happened and understood it and did a little bit of forgiving, he was fine, no longer any pain, and understood the whole situation. Right, okay. That's, that's a fascinating that's story. So, so, Charles, <laughs> w- would you say that the, uh, the higher self and the subconscious mind, are, are we saying the same word as the soul? Is that how you class those two? You know, you can call, you can call your consciousness, your soul, uh, your higher mind. I mean, some people sit there and divide it up into segments and so on. And, you know, you can use all kinds of terminology, but it, it, uh, you're pretty much saying the same thing. And Charles, when the patient's under regression, how do you channel the information out of the patient? How, where's that information coming from? What I do is I take them up under deep hypnosis to their higher self, which is all done hypnotically, and um, that's the area wherein their, their wisdom resides. Uh, and, and then I have them call forth their spirit guide, and I'm, I'm convinced that all of us have spirit guides. And these are spiritual beings who are there for our benefit and have unconditional love for us and help guide us through life and um, I'm actually channeling through the patient to the guide and the guide answers through the patient and um, that um, form of channeling is uh, uh, very very uh, very real Uh, some of these guides are unbelievably protective of the patient for instance they will tell me point-blank it's not it's not time to go back to that particular lifetime or the cause of this particular problem because the patient isn't ready for it. Like I had an individual who was burned at the stake uh, for being a witch, and um, the guy just said, you know, this is not the time. But later, as uh, we advanced and did much more work with her, she was prepared. After seeing herself in many lifetimes and understanding the process better, she was prepared, and they gave me permission to do it. And they're very, they're very humanistic because they were, they were in their own human body at one time, and many times they've had lives with the uh, particular patient. Very much interest in them. Okay. And would you say that at the point of death, um, if it's going to be a painful death, for example, would you say the soul's pulled from the body? I mean, what, what, what would be the process of going through pain? If you're talking about uh, individuals doing an out-of-body situation, um, Sometimes a soul fragments, um, for instance, if uh, like a little girl is being molested um, and it's so horrific for her that part of her consciousness or her soul, if you want to call it that, fragments and uh, is on the other side of the room observing in a non-threatening way, in other words, is not emotionally or physically involved, but it's just observing. And sometimes that fragment doesn't return, in which case... um, we do this process of soul retrieval and, and try to join the fragment to the to the soul again. But sometimes those fragments also attach to other individuals, and those other individuals are affected by these fragments. And so that's all part of um, the releasement process that I go through with individuals. But see, I, I utilize the spirit guide to monitor the situation and tell me what's going on. Yeah, and I asked him about: Is there any foreign energy present? You know, and if there is, and identify, we identify what this energy is, and uh, and get rid of it. And this would because be the spirit for the patient's benefit. Sure, and this is the spirit attachment that you mentioned earlier on. Spirit attachments. There's all types. 
<laughs> and and just before you carry on there, I mean, can they affect people's lives from, I don't know, from smoking to sexual dysfunctions? Oh, I mean, it's it's, yeah. it's not. It, I mean, oh, that's 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 not a way though for the patient not to take responsibility for the, the no, their own problems. No, no. By the same token, uh, you know, when you die, your addictions go with you. Uh, many, you know, if you're a drug addict, a smoker, uh, somebody who's addicted to alcohol, and so yeah. on. Those things go with you. One of the um, earliest cases I had of um, releasement was um, a, a young girl I was doing for smoking, simple, simple thing for smoking, you know, uh, using hypnosis. And she started smoking because her mother had committed suicide by pouring lighter fluid on herself in the shower and setting herself ablaze. Uh, so it was, her, it was a, her, a horrific scene for her. So at any rate... She said, that's when I started smoking. I thought to myself, well, I'd start smoking then, too. That's pretty bad stuff. But I get halfway through the session, and all of a sudden, she yells out, my mother doesn't want me to stop smoking. And then I found out later that her mother was, um, you know, a chain smoker. Mother, mother joined her, and I think one of the main reasons was to, for, because of the nicotine situation. And so she became a smoker. Uh, but after sending her mother to the light and so on, and she was able to release that uh, that problem. Yeah. So are you saying a, l- a lot of habits that we can't explain or maybe uh, you know are not proud of to admit to even anyone except for ourselves? Do you think that? Well, yeah. And drug addicts, you know, oftentimes they overdose and then bingo, they're gone. Yeah. And if they hook into somebody, uh, but that somebody becomes a drug addict also. Would you say though that Pardon? that could be a spirit attachment on that drug addict as such? That's it. That's getting they're getting the same sort of high as the the users getting. They don't get the same effect, from what I understand, but they think they they're they're getting a effect of some sort, and um, just just like they, you know, the reasons they join are, are varied, and and when I question them, you know, and I channel to them just like I do to the spirit guide, um, they they um, have many reasons. Uh, sometimes it could be a lover from a past lifetime. Sometimes. Um, it, it could be a parent, you know, just because of compassion, you know, for the child. Any number of reasons, but they don't do them any favors because their ailments, for instance, are imprinted into into this new body. In other words, uh, you have a, a spiritual attachment. If they have an ulcer, you get an ulcer, you know, because they imprint these illnesses on you. Uh, so they're not doing you any favors from that standpoint. Also, many of their desires become your desires. So it throws a big monkey wrench into the karmic situation. People listening to this show right now um, who, who feel that they may have this problem, um, are they best to seek out people like yourselves to go see, to get help? Well, I'm sure there are some, some individuals who do spirit releasement. Uh, I, I like the fact that I, I just do the regression therapy and then... I do the spirit releasement as yeah. uh, as a necessary, needed thing to do as long as you're going to do regression because many times the problems aren't due to a past lifetime. Okay. Um, okay. And, and the first time I ran into this was by accident because I, I think I told you one time I had regressed the attachment. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And, uh, and it, it dawned on me finally, you know, when they, when they were talking in thir- third-person terms regarding the patient. Okay. Um, okay. So, at any rate, it's a, 
Yeah, it's a very real thing, and yeah. a lot of people say you guys are all nuts, you know. But it, it, it's uh, it's very real, and um, I've cured lots of people with from lots of problems. Sure. Do you do people, you have... people who are psychotic, you know? And I'm convinced if you have a good many attachments, um, and they're all going in different directions, and I, I think this is what uh, many times causes people to get psychotic and uh, all these mental illnesses. Right. Okay. I think a lot of psychiatrists are very superficial in their treatment and need to um, need to get deeper. And yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a believer in conventional medicine, but I just don't believe it goes far enough. And when I give lectures to the physicians at the local hospital, I get into all this stuff and I tell them that, you know, guys, we're, we were taught to treat the mind and the body. But, you know, we also have a soul, and that needs to be treated as well. That's the whole person, you know. Yeah. And how, how do they take you when, when you... Uh well, <laughs> I ended up regressing some of the doctors. So there's a few <laughs> that are open-minded. Well, that's pretty um, cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah, uh, that that but must there, have. But that... there are still many who are very conventional. You know. Yeah, yeah, but, but they're, they're just taught that way. No, that's fair enough. Dark entities or um, uh, discarded spirits. How would you okay. uh, describe them? Okay. Well, the discarded. Um, this kind of spirits, they're disembodied spirits. Uh, they're uh, an individual who dies and who uh, declines going to the light, which is the afterlife. They kind of remain in the astral plane, which is the area between the light and, and earth. And, um, and in that astral plane, and, and like I said, they have various reasons for, for not going to the light. Uh, could be a mother worried about her children, so she wants to be around and keep an eye on them. Uh, a lover who doesn't want to leave, uh, many reasons. And, there, and a lot of times it's confusion. People don't realize they're dead, like if it was a horrific accident, you know, then they, uh, they're just not sure. And so they hang around in the astral plane, and, um, and many times they will attach to individuals for, I don't know, the warmth, the warmth of uh, blood and, and yeah. human tissue or addictions or very different reasons. Um, and those those particular earthbound spirits um, are um, when they're present, and I, I use a spirit guide to tell me how many and, and so on. And then I, I, I have them step forward one at a time, and I uh, kind of um, ask them, you know, what, what what's your purpose in being here, and so on. If you can, if you, they can understand, and I explain to them that they can also love somebody from the light. Uh, and, and that they need to continue on with their spiritual journey. And their journey is to, again, be one with the Creator. In order to do that, the soul needs to perfect itself because it's an individual soul with just a spark of your Creator within you, but you are an individual. And in order to perfect yourself, you need to learn lessons. And there are many lessons, uh, like love, compassion, patience, and so on, that need to be learned, and the best place to learn them would be the Earth, because the Earth is one heck of a challenge here. Uh, life in other planets, and I've taken individuals to these other planets as well, they're usually um, nowhere the challenge that they are on Earth. Earth is a real tough place. And yeah. um, Boot these camp. individuals learn those lessons well. And, and after they die, and they're... What, Kevin? I, I say, it's, it's like a boot camp, really, the uh, Earth. Well, yeah, and, and when, they, and when the, the individual dies, and they're... Uh, in the afterlife, and their spirit guide is kind of debriefing them, if you want to call it that, um, and asking them, what lesson did you need to learn, That why did you incarnate? 
and they lay out the lesson, and then I always ask the question, did you accomplish it? And many times they don't, in which case you have to repeat that lesson in another lifetime. We may have thousands and thousands of lifetimes to do these things. But um, that's important. Okay, so that's the earthbounds. And then you have the dark force entities. Um, And William Baldwin, is I use a lot of his methodology. He did this stuff for like 20 years. Uh, He was a Ph.D. and also a former dentist who um, um, got very much into (coughs) spirit release and wrote a textbook on it, actually. But the dark forces, you know, this is the eternal battle of evil versus good. That's haunted uh, humanity ever since its uh, beginning. Uh, These entities are are nasty, and they're bent on your destruction, period. Um, And I run into them all the time. I had a woman who was unbelievably um, into witchcraft and all kinds of bad stuff, Uh, and uh, her boyfriend brought her in. And um, I ended up finally getting to her guide, and said, you know, what what are we up against? And he said, thousands. <laughs> you know? Wow. And I said, oh boy. So and the battle went on for like over an hour. And and I never saw a spirit guide panic before, but this guy had actually screamed out, you know, there's too many of them, there's too many of them. I mean, this is crazy, <laughs> this is happening. And I said, well, you know, do what you have to do. Call in reinforcements. I kind of use my military background. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, it was getting crazy. But it went on for an hour, and finally uh, the last one was was taken to the light by um, Michael the Archangel. I call in all the big guns uh, and, and this um, spirit releasement. And a lot of people are probably thinking, oh, this guy's got to be daffy. This is very, very real. And the, um, uh, the last one was gone, and I used the spirit guide to monitor it and tell me, and he says, you know, that's it, no more foreign energy present. And about uh, six weeks after, I got an email from the boyfriend who said that and the words were, I think he said, more than amazing. She has completely reverted to a normal individual. Because I guess she was getting, get, going off the end uh, for the last couple of years. Yeah. And I, and I get these responses. Yeah, it's, I, it's incredible, isn't it? It's gratifying. Gratifying, yeah. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Really good, yeah. Indeed, yeah. Okay, well, let's look at some past life cases that, that uh, you've worked on. Just explain a couple and try to include a, a famous case as well. Because I'm, I'm sure there's something um, in, in interesting about a famous case as well. Well, when you say famous case, um, I call these high-profile individuals. High-profile, uh, yes. I had an individual well, several years ago who uh, I took back to the cause of this pain. This guy had pain, and I saw him in another doctor's office. He had pain in, in uh, the left buttocks, I think it was. And um, took him back to the cause, and all of a sudden now he's in a football game. And uh, the year is 1911, and he was just tackled, and he's laying on the field, and he's hurting, and uh, the pain's going right up to that left buttock area, and I'm thinking, okay, you know, we're, we're on the right track here. And um, so I said, what's your name? He says, Jim. I said, Jim what? Jim Thorpe. And I'm thinking, holy smokes, this is, <laughs> is this the real Jim Thorpe? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I followed him, you know, but as I advanced him in that life farther and farther, to um, um, to the time when he was in the Olympics, and um, and then also he, he was telling me about how they were trying to take his medals away from him because they said that he had played baseball for money. I guess he played one game and got a few dollars, and they were going to use that against him. At any rate, he was very much on the button with everything he was saying. 
And uh, I thought, wow, this is, um, this is really good, as I validated everything. But then after uh, we got into his private life and farther up, up in years and so on, everything got all screwed up, and it, it wasn't right. And I thought, well, is this him or isn't it? And it bothered me for a few years. And then one day, one of the spirit guides, and they do this occasionally, uh, spirit guide said, I have a gift for you. And I thought, wow, that's, that's nice. And the gift was this explanation of a phenomenon they called, or she called, the walk-through phenomenon. And she says an individual can look at the Akashic Records and pick a lifetime they would like to join for just a short period of time to learn a specific lesson through a specific, through, through a specific perspective. And um, they would do this and then leave. And, and then she, and, and I said, well, they need the permission of the other soul. She says, absolutely, they have to have the permission of the other soul. And she says, usually these are, these are very famous people, high profiles. And I said, why? And she says, because that's where the action is. That's where the challenges are. And so what I found out since that time is that many of these individuals who are very famous have many souls within them. And, and some of them are there on just a temporary basis. They, they're there for a short time, and then they leave, and then they do a permanent incarnation. And, and like I said, we're never going to know how it all works. No. But I'm getting these little pieces of the puzzle. And I had a gal who was um, Joan of Arc. And I ran through that lifetime right into her death, at, uh, being burned at the stake. And she had several souls within her. And to me, that was a collaboration of what I was being told. So... I mean, I'm, I'm getting this information from the other side. And, and you know, other people, they, they have an individual they channel to, one particular individual. I'm channeling to thousands, you know, yeah. getting all this information. Yeah. And some of these guides are very, very high level. They're almost master spirit uh, level, which is very high in the hierarchy of the, of the afterlife. And Brian Weiss mentions those as well. And they're very real. I mean, I had a master, you know, where occasionally you run into this master spirit stuff. And um, Brian Weiss would, would communicate with them through the patient, and he would uh, get very unbelievable information that would uh, come through that only, you know, nobody could possibly know things about him and so on. Well, I had a one particular patient who had a, a master spirit that was uh, her guide, and his name was Rohalaman. And... Uh, I would ask him all kinds of questions. I mean, I'd get great information. Um, tell me about the pyramids or cryogenics or cloning and things of that nature. But one, one day, I, uh, a few months later, I had another master spirit come about, and just for the heck of it, I said, is there a Rohalaman among you? And uh, he said, no. And I said, okay, so I just forgot about it. A few months later, this other patient's back, and Rohalaman's back on the scene again, and the first thing I hear is, I understand you're looking me through someone else <laughs> and the hair goes up in the back of my neck I mean <laughs> yeah. I mean they are real they know what's going on you know that's incredible it's it's not a bunch of hooey and and how far have you gone in the future with some patients oh I, I, that varies um, I'll oftentimes take people into uh, um, future lifetimes uh, it can be in the year 3000 something or whatever but when I do, uh, in my book, I think, if you notice, I, I talked about that, and I, I had right. a consistency of information coming through regarding certain years. 
like transportation um, vehicles uh, that would hover. And I think it was something like 2040s where um, vehicles were designed so they would actually hover. Um, and then it was like 2080, the vehicles now were at much higher altitudes and individuals would be parking them outside their high-rise apartments. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and um, in fact, I had one recently that, uh, again, we ran into the same situation. The guy's talking about these hovering vehicles, only he, now he's on the freeway with some kind of a freeway. And I guess there was, like he mentioned, sensors on the sides of the vehicle so that you don't, you cannot veer off yeah. the, the road. And he's saying, uh, but you've got to be careful. You can't just jump over another car by hovering. He said, because the cops will get you. <laughs> it was really funny. But, uh, I mean, it's very real. You know, and, and it's consistent. You know, they're, they're saying incredible. the same thing. Atlantis, sure. same thing. I get yeah. a lot of... Uh, yeah. Uh, consistent stories about the destruction of Atlantis. And was there any sort of like Nostradamus predictions in the future where we're sort of, you know, mass leaving the Earth in a sense because of war? Uh, I, I get a lot of different, <laughs> um, different thoughts from the spirit guides and it's not all good information. I mean, definitely something in the near future will occur. I'm not sure what, but it's going to be a, some kind of a... It could just be a spiritual... Uh, a fantastically huge spiritual enlightenment, or it may be related to this uh, 2012 situation, polar shifts. I'm just not sure. I don't get real specific information, but little bits here and there right. that uh, are telling telling us that something's definitely going to happen. I'm not sure why. Okay. okay. Maybe they don't want us to know why. <laughs> That's right. There could, could be that as well. And and do you get much yeah. ET contact from? Um, from regressions? I mean, if, uh, do people um, end up um, other planets? Well, I've, I've done several individuals who've supposedly been abducted uh, by ETs, and I get very specific information. Uh, it's many times a very tearful thing when they're being experimented upon. I just had a recent individual, and in that this is a matter of a week ago, who um, this, this lady, she's older, um, almost 80, actually, but when she was in her 40s, she had a laparoscopic tubal ligation, and I did a lot of those. And when I did those, and she said when that was done on her, it was the same thing. There was absolutely no scar, because what we do is we we make the incision very small way inside the umbilicus so that, you know, you never see any scar whatsoever. Yeah. And then about when she was in her 60s, she said one morning she woke up with pain in her belly, and she looked at her belly button, and there was an, a scar there, and I had her show me the scar, and it, and it was a, it's like it was like a vertical and a, a horizontal together. And even now, it's still there. Um, and um, she <laughs> didn't know where it came from, but it took weeks for that to to heal. And the thing that made her very interesting is I took some attachments off for her, but uh, three of those attachments were extraterrestrials, and I've seen those many times. And I often ask them, you know, what's your purpose here? And it's usually experimentation. And that was exactly what they said. Um, I ended up removing a, an extraterrestrial off a guy, oh, about, oh, a couple, about a year ago, I think, maybe more, um, who his father brought, brought him in because the kid was, well, he's a kid. He's 32, I think. He was psychotic. He was bipolar and constantly had this 
discomfort in his um, uh, epigastrium, in the central part of his uh, chest, you know, from his abdomen. And um, and I and I asked this this ET. I said, you know, what's your purpose in being there? And this one said, I I feed off his energy. And I said, where? And uh, he's telling me right there where he's having all this abdominal pain. Yeah. Then he volunteered the fact, he says, I also do mind experiments on him. And that explained to me the psychosis and the bipolarity. At any rate, uh, it took a while to get rid of that one. I had uh, used some specific uh, techniques, but I finally got rid of them. And um, about nine months later, I talked to his father and said, how's he doing? He said, why don't you talk to him? So then I called him up, and he hadn't been on medication for, I think, a month after I had seen him. Uh, he's perfectly fine, no more discomfort, no more psychotic behavior, nothing. So all I can tell you is <laughs> <laughs> incredible. I get a lot of good results, and uh, it makes me feel really good, and this is not nonsense, you know. No. You know, some people just get so caught up in the fact that we are in the physical world, and there's no such thing as spirits, there's no such thing as extraterrestrials. I'm sorry, guys, but... Um, it's it's very real and uh and you know i was very conventional and i'm not doing this to you know to impress people no. I mean, I a lot no. of people think i'm i'm off the deep end but it, it's very real of and course. it's very therapeutic of yeah, course. i mean people are able and, and you know the reason i give lectures to the doctors at the hospital is because i think they ought to incorporate this in their cancer programs because i am convinced every illness across the board whether it be emotional or a physical illness has an emotional cause and once you expose that emotional cause once you air it out and bring it up to the conscious mind to observe and make an objective um, decision on and make a distinction of time on um, you're able to release the effect and bingo one of the good things that happens is the immune system comes back yeah. if the immune system comes back then the chemotherapy and radiation can do a much better job and these people don't die so to me it's you know, it's across the board, it's very helpful. Sure. What about people who can't be regressed? Do you come across that often? Yeah, there's a... And Brian Weiss mentions that, too. And uh, There's like 10% that uh, don't regress. I, I've run into some of these, but I'm of the nature... I'm of the opinion that um, there's a reason, way to get through those, and I think a lot of the reasons they don't regress is there are dark entities present who somehow cloud up the area. In other words, I cannot get to the spirit guide either in those situations. And I've had to not be able to help these, some of these people. Um, although I've decided to get some help from spirit guides, and I ran into this master guide just recently, and I asked that question. I said, you know, what, what is the reason they, I can't get through? And he says, well, they somehow, like, cloud up the area so the guide cannot hear or see you and this kind of thing and, and so they, they keep you for, in other words these dark entities are pretty powerful mm. at any rate uh, I said what can I do about this and I got this this is this is crazy but he said to me call me I said you're going to help me through somebody else he said just call me now I did that um, yesterday I had a patient couldn't get through again uh, couldn't get the guide, and I just called that particular spirit guide, and son of a gun, he showed, <laughs> and he did the monitoring for me. 
So I may end up calling all these people back and saying, I got an answer for you, you know? That's incredible. That's incredible. But what, what <laughs> I do you... never stopped learning. Yeah, no, 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 that's right. But what do you think about the people? And that's amazing. Sure. Pardon? Sorry, I was saying, what do you think about the people who are reg- regressed and turn around and say, well, you know, I didn't want to make you feel funny, but I just didn't come up with uh, with anything, but, I've, you know, um, they, they didn't feel anything, yet they just feel that they've, um, you know, uh, come up with an, an elaborate story while you were there. No, but occasionally somebody will say, well, I don't even know if I was hypnotized, that kind of thing. Well, you remember, the conscious mind is fully awake. Uh, I can usually tell if somebody is, is uh, under, well and becomes deeper and so on. Um, and um, very rarely is anybody able to fake, fake me out on that score. Um, but the um, indiv- individual will usually be very honest if they, you know, sometimes they can't shut off their mind. If you're thinking some other thoughts and you're not following what I'm asking and saying, you know, then you're not cooperating. Okay. So you've got to be motivated, you've got to be cooperative, but you just have to kind of go with it. Don't resist, don't force, just... Go with it. Go with it, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll use, you know, a lot of um, of your senses, and I'll relate certain places and just be there and, and listen carefully to what I'm saying, and you'll fall right into this uh, hypnotic state, which is an altered state of consciousness. Charles, how would you class parallel lives? How would you describe that to someone, and uh, what is it? Well, that's a... That's a very interesting uh, situation, uh, these, these parallel lifetimes. Um, and I've had um, several individuals who've uh, had these type things. But the parallel life is um, it occurs when, when the soul divides into two or more bodies so as to learn lessons from usually an entirely different perspective. So in other words, um, the same soul can occupy two or more bodies in one incarnation or sometimes the incarnations overlap. Many times I'll ask them if they do have a parallel life, I'll and I, I will ask the spirit guide these things. Uh, and I'll say, is there one currently? And I had one that was current. And um, what I did then is, uh, and I didn't know if it would work or not, but I said, do you think you can get into the mind of this other person? And I waited for a while, and sure as heck, within about five minutes, she she was uh, in that individual's mind. And uh, and <laughs> turns out that this guy was a lawyer, and he was... Uh, living in California, and um, was very depressed and sad. And I said, well, why? He said, well, I guess he's going through a divorce, and just all kinds of stuff yeah. was going on. But what I did then is very interesting. I, I said, well, you know, advance to the next morning when you go out and get the mail. Now read me the address. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> I was able to pinpoint this guy. <laughs> Incredible. But, I mean, you know, it's amazing what you can do, you know. But would you say there's past lives, sorry, would you say there's parallel lives on other Earth worlds just like this one, but just with a 2% difference in what's, you know, in, in the situation that we're going through now? Well, I think, in, I think we do live in multiple dimensions in terms of um, many, many um, in other words, as we're talking now, we may be talking in several different situations. Um, and there are some theoretical physicists uh, like David Usher who uh, who are very very fond of this theory. Um, so yeah, that's a strong possibility. It's as far as dimensions and other planets and so on, uh, I, I can't answer that question, but I do know that um, I've run into everything practically, and I'm I'm just open because I don't know what's going to you know, 
No, what I'm no. Gonna find that. And do you believe that our pets have past lives as well? Do you believe pets come back? You know, if you looked in my book, uh, if you remember, uh, I took people back to the very first existence just to see what would happen, and many of them came in as animals to begin with. And then they would advance to more complicated animals and then eventually to primitive man. But it was really interesting because when, as they did all this, they weren't really considered a true soul. They were like an essence of a soul. And the master spirits would uh, call the shots in terms of when they would incarnate and so on, even into primitive man. But it wasn't until primitive man learned the lesson of love that they were actually now able to be considered a, a full soul and call their own shots on when to incarnate right. and where and so on. Right. And I, and I, I suppose I found that very interesting. And I suppose you wouldn't go back as an animal. I mean, you can't be you can't choose a life to come back as an animal because I wouldn't say that's I, well, that's I, not I don't know. Well, that's I not honestly do not know. I would I wouldn't class um, that as progression. I would, I would think that's going backwards. Yeah, that's not, right. Yeah. I, yeah. And I don't think so, but no. you know, I don't know. Okay. I'm open to anything like I said. <laughs> sure, no, that's right. But that's what, right. what I do find out though makes a lot of sense. So. And Charles, what's, um, your, what's your website to uh, give to the audience? Uh, it's called um, hypnoregression.com. Okay. H-Y-P-N-O regression, all one word, dot com. We'll put a link for that onto the uh, webpage, and we'll also um, put a link to your book to amazon.co.uk if you want to order Charles's book. Well, Charles, I want to thank you very much for uh, the phone in today. You got it. And uh, I hope you can come back on in the future. Well, I appreciate your having me on, Kev. To find out more information on Dr. Charles Tremont, just visit his website, which is hypnoregression.com. That's H-Y-P-N-O regression.com. Or visit my website, themoreshow.co.uk, and look up Charles Tremont under past guests. Now, you can also follow us on Facebook. Just go to the Facebook group, and you'll be able to find out all the latest information on upcoming shows. And don't forget that we have a TV show, which starts on the 10th of June, on Sky 201 and FreeSat 403. So until next time, be safe.